Welcome back to From the Fringe, where we talk about golf and the golf-related. We are rolling out episode two today, and it's a loaded show. I hope everyone had a great week, so let's get to it. The big merger news is a week old now. However, live and PGA Tour drama still continues. Unfortunately, politics sometimes leaks into sports, and this is one of those times. There are a few people and quotes I want to put out there, add some commentary, then collectively address the whole subject matter. Let's start with Senator Richard Blumenthal. Last week, after the merger announcement, he had this to say. The PGA Tour has spent two years lambasting Saudi sports washing and playing lip service to the integrity of the sport of golf, which will now be used unabashedly to the kingdom to distract us from its many crimes. The PGA Tour has placed a price on human rights and betrayed the long history of sports and athletes that advocate for social change and progress. I will keep a close eye on the structure of this deal and its implications. On Monday, the senator openly, officially opened up an investigation citing, quote, deeply disturbing human rights record at home and abroad, referring to the Saudi kingdom. Then we had our boys, Roy McElroy and Brandel Chambly. I know, I know, it seems like I keep picking on these guys, but they keep talking. And for someone like me, who can be very opinionated, these two are gold. We have a few quotes from Rory this week. The first one is, The thing that was really misconstrued yesterday was, was all the headlines were, quote, PGA Tour merges with Liv. And Liv's got nothing to do with this. Um, is someone going to break this to him? Liv has everything to do with this. The public investment fund and Liv are the same thing, Rory. One go hand in hand. That was an investment from the public investment fund. I highly doubt they're just going to toss it away. And according to Liv's CEO, Greg Norman, Liv is continuing to operate as normal, at least for the time being. Then there's this beauty. But whether, whether you like it or not, the PIF and the Saudis want to spend money in the game of golf. They want to do this. And they weren't going to stop. How do we get that money into the game and use it the right way? I think that is what is ultimately this will do. That is my hope. Oh, man. This is a very disturbing quote. What makes Rory think that he or the PGA Tour know the correct way to spend the Saudi money? What makes them think that they will have a say in how that money is spent? This and other statements I've heard from Roy lately really make me think this man is either in denial about the tour or just plain delusional. Then we have good old Brandel Chambly and his misfires this week. Right after the announcement, he had... 
This is a sad day for golf. Not really, Chief. This has the foundation to be really exciting. We just have to wait and see. Then Chambly tweeted, If it's not blocked by the player board, it will likely be blocked by the DOJ. And if not that, if not that regular regulatory committee, the Senate, and then the regulatory review of the EU and equivalent bodies in Asia. This is a long way from being a done deal. And the last one I saw yesterday, and it's a doozy. What does Yasser, Yasser al-Rumayan Rumayan, sorry, Yasser al-Rumayan even know about golf? Since the likely answer to that question is not much, why is he on the board? Uh, Brandel, because he controls the money. That's why he's on the board. Doesn't take a rocket science to, scientist to figure this out. So, um, I was listening to one of the many pods that I listened to throughout the week, all of them golf, and I one of the episodes of the foreplay pod really got into the nitty gritty. These guys were really connected into the PGA, you know, and they were hashing out all sides of this. And there is one host that was obviously pro Chambly. And he said, you can't expect a guy to answer for China, answer for all these things. He's just focusing on the issue that was put in front of him with a sport and the players that he covers. I strongly disagree with that. Absolutely I can. He, he Chambly, has put himself in that position as a journalist, and I, for one, will be happy to challenge his narrative. This dude is a straight clown. He's out of touch. If you get out into the golf world, he's a laughing stock. The guy just needs to retire. That's my personal opinion. These two guys, Rory and Chambly, have played the morality card since day one. And it has a lot of people applauding them for sticking to their beliefs. However, I really don't think that's the case. In my opinion, I believe that Roy and Brandel are talking puppets, or were talking puppets, for Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour. Hear me out on this one. If they both had some higher sense of purpose or morality then there are a bunch of issues involving the PGA Tour, its sponsors, and affiliations that these two would have been outspoken about for years. But, they ha but have they ever spoken out about the PGA Tour, its business, and financial relationships? And trust me, if you read about it, get into the nitty-gritty, it's a, it's a little cloudy. That water's a little, that water's a little hazy, guys. But absolutely not. They've been totally silent, and there have been there has been nothing but crickets from the morality brigade until live, which leads me to my biggest issue with taking the moral stance. It's that you attempt to make this an all or nothing issue, where you have to take sides. 
you're e- it's one of these you're either for us or against us and if you're not anti-live then you're not a patriot and you don't love your country listen folks life is rarely that cut and dry and there's a whole bunch of gray out there most of us know this the u.s government has extensive relationships with saudi and china are they the only ones allowed to do so neither one of these countries have great human rights records but yet us as the united states our major corporations international uh, corporations and countries all around the world continue to do business with them what what was Brandel thinking what is the doj the senate or any other government body here or internationally going to do their governments and big business like i just said are tied in with the saudis and the chinese as well i don't think there's much the government could do to stop this without potentially ruining ruining relationships and i know some of you are thinking well now it's a monopoly on professional golf this is what lives whole um lawsuits were about in the first place potentially that might get a little bit of a little bit of steam but if you really want to go down that road then you're going you're going to have to look at the NFL the NBA and and major league baseball because those three sports have a monopoly on professional sports in this country as well. Now, to backtrack a little bit, I know some of you guys are thinking, Jay, I wasn't aware that uh, that China and the PGA Tour had a relationship and that the CCP was attempting to use golf to enhance its image. Well, they are. And uh, I suggest that you uh, Google a 2022 article by Michael Graham of the Boston Globe entitled, the PGA Tour sports washing problem in China. It's worth a read. After you read it, I'm pretty confident, like me, you would be like, well, if this is okay, then why is, why wasn't that Liv wasn't? Personally, I believe the issue with Liv was that it wasn't their idea and they didn't control the money. But that's neither here nor there. I also want to know... Is someone going to thank Phil? I mean, there's been a few little grumblings out there in the media. But since August 22, when the PGA Tour rolled out the new changes for the um, 2023 season, there's been an article or so written by Sports Illustrated, uh, Golf Digest. Xander Shoffley even conceded uh, Phil's message was correct last September. Um, within the last week, Yahoo Sports wrote an article entitled, Turns out Phil Mickelson was right all along. But where's the love from the rest of the PGA Tour players? I mean, they've just been burned by their own commissioner, and it turns out that Phil was right. These guys have benefited from these changes. They've seen everything unfold, but yet 
there's no one out there giving him props for being so cavalier and stepping out there and saying what needed to be said. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. We're going to move on. I know I could sit here and talk about this all day. It's just the hypocrisy of these PGA Tour elitists and purists. It's just mind-blowing. I don't get how they can keep the blinders on and legitimately think that they have a valid argument. I would like to go on record, guys, by saying that human rights, that the human rights record of China and Saudi Arabia are not lost on me. However, I do believe that if we start dissecting one particular issue in a business or sport, then where does it stop? Because we can go down a black hole auditing every company or industry we like or don't like and ask where the money comes from, but we just might not like the answers we find if we start to scratch that surface. So, anyway, moving on to more exciting things because there's other things going on in golf. So, this past Sunday... At the RBC Championship, Canadian Nick Taylor beat out Tommy Fleetwood. And I put an emphasis on Canadian Nick Taylor because this was the first time a Canadian has won the RBC since 1954. It was also the longest playoff at the RBC in 40 years. And if you've been paying attention to social media or any of that stuff, then... You saw at what happened to Adam Hadwin on the 18th, uh, on the 18th, uh, well, on the fourth playoffs, playoff hole. I'm not sure if it was the 18th grain, but I believe it was. So here his buddy Nick is sinking a 70-foot putt for, um, to, to win this, this tournament and bring back the RBC Championship to, to Canada. And... He runs out there and pops and starts to spray some champagne. And lo and behold, this dude gets body bagged by security. I mean, a straight Terry Tate office linebacker. If you don't know what that is, they're old Reebok commercials. Go on the YouTube and just search Terry Tate office linebacker. They are hilarious. So we also had the ShopRite LPGA Classic this past weekend. Ashley Buhai uh, just won her second LPGA win. And then the DP World Tour had the Volvo Car Scandinavian Mixed, where Dale Whitnell won his first European Tour event. Now I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, last year, Lynn Grant won this event and she was the first female to win this since it became a mixed event in 2020. Now, I find this to be very, very intriguing. This is a straight up field of, of European tour and ladies European tour golfers and they flat out go head to head for the weekend. Now I think the LPGA and the PGA are really missing an a huge opportunity here. 
Now, I know that we've had the J.C. Penny Classic that uh, that had its final run in 1999. I know that they've announced the Grant Thornton Invitational coming up this December. Well, you'll have Jessica Corda and Ricky Fowler teaming up in a team mixed event. And I think that is going to be absolutely awesome. I cannot wait to see this. But again, there's a huge opportunity missed for the PGA and the LPGA as far as exposure, relatability, and likability, and not having a straight up golfer versus golfer mixed event. I'm telling you, the LPGA has something to offer. I honestly believe this. I honestly believe that on a weekend and week out basis, the LPGA is more entertaining and relatable than the PGA Tour. Outside of a few select events like the Waste Management and obviously the Majors. So... Just something to think about. I really, really think that both tours, the fans, the players would benefit from a just every every player for themselves mixed event. I mean, tell me, tell me that would not be awesome. And, you know, who knows where it could go from there. But anyway, that's all we got, or that's all I got on those uh, those burning topics, and that were just right there, just just you know they were just egging me on all week. I just had to talk about some of these things. I had to bring some light to stuff that's going on in the European tour that I just think is really really awesome. So let's keep this rolling. Golf is hard. I don't need to tell anyone that plays the game that. It's a mental game, ladies and gentlemen, and it's one that often leaves me defeated. There are two quotes that have always stuck out to me. The first is credited to Tommy Armour. It goes, fear ruins more golf shots than any other factor. The second is credited to the great Jack Nicklaus. The busier you keep yourself with the details of a particular shot, the less time your mind has to dwell on the emotional ifs and buts. And Lord, are there a bunch of ifs and buts. This leads us to our very first guest here on From the Fringe. She is one of the most sought after and in-demand therapists here in the Valley. She also happens to be my better half. I'd like to welcome Shelly Fassett, LCSW EMDR therapist, specializing in in trauma and addiction here in Scottsdale, Arizona, to the pod. Oh, you're too kind. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. You know what I really love about doing podcasts? You know why I agreed to do this? Why is that? Because I don't have to go buy a new outfit. I can sit here in Prada or PJs. Nobody is the wiser. There's nothing wrong with some PJs. There's nothing wrong with Prada. (laughs) I bet. 
So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and give us a little professional rundown. Sure. So I came down uh, from Central Oregon in 2006, went to ASU, and ended up staying here in the Valley. Um, I have developed specialties in the treatment of addiction, chronic pain, integrated health, and complex trauma. All right. So Central Oregon. So is it the ducks or the beavers for you and your family? Uh, I'm a beaver alumni, always. All right. Well, with that, let's get into it. I want to ask you, starting off, because it's the hot topic, what do you think about the current state of golf? And also, as a therapist, what are your thoughts on some of the reactions you've seen in the media following that mind-blowing announcement of a merger between the PGA Tour and Liv? So I think to start out, I better let the listeners know, although I represent the females here in the podcast, I don't represent the golfers. So I am actually a tennis player. I'm not going to give you any insight on how to take some shots, but I will give you some insight on the mental health aspect. So with that out of the way, if we want to know about the current state of golf, let's go back to the past state of golf. And um, so my grandfather, I remember watching him and he belonged to our golf club there in town. And he even had this really custom golf cart, right? He had this little custom golf cart garage. It was, that was back when it was a thing. And it was such a big deal. Golf was this sport that really seemed to be targeted to older men, money, status. It, it, it just really was this almost unattainable sport for many people. And I remember turning on the TV on Sundays and it was like instantly you would hear this music and it was like almost a, tr- a soft trumpet or a waltz. And the room Chuck was- Mangione. Yes. Yes. And the room would instantly smell like mothballs, instantly <laughs> smell like mothballs. And it would put you to sleep. And that was the golf uh, of, of like the 80s, the 90s. My grandfather would fall asleep while watching golf. Yes, absolutely. That's what they wanted you to do. And so now in, in my generation and, and the generations, uh, obviously, that are younger, um, it's golf is now meant to wake you up. Social media the stories that are put out there, the coverage that each of the players are getting, the Netflix special, all of these things are meant to now grab your attention and bring it to golf um, and away from other sports, the classic football, soccer, even tennis. Now everybody wants to follow uh, golf, especially with the live and the PGA conflict that came out this week. Huge news. Well, you know, it hasn't, uh, hasn't hurt that the PGA offered the pip, which is the, uh, I believe it's the play, the player enhancement. It's basically like a player enhancement fund. Like the more social media presence you have, you get a bigger bonus at the end of the year. That's right. That's right. And if you look, the ones that have the most social media presence, aka Rory, bye Rory, peace Rory, see you later, um, are the ones that are not liked. And it's, it's really fun. I've, I follow many of the golfers. I love hearing what they have to say. But it's the ones that put everything out there and just talk too much that you end up hating. But that creates an audience. That creates the followers that then tune in to all of these things. I feel that we could probably talk about Rory and this whole uh, situation for uh, probably the entire podcast. But I've got some really, uh, some really uh, good questions that I want to ask you to kind of 
help clarify the mental aspect and, you know, help sharpen that tool in the toolbox for uh, not just myself, but for the listeners. I'm here for it. So I want to know, does one's emotions affect their performance output? And what are some examples of this that you have seen in your practice or while watching a tour event? Sure. So I've treated uh, several actually, actually athletes uh, here in the Valley, past athletes, current athletes, uh, golfers included. Um, and something that I really, we really talk about is central nervous system activation. And we talk about fight or flight. Um, and we talk about, you know, how fear, anger, guilt, shame, anxiety, they all activate this danger response in the body. You just described a Sunday afternoon on the golf course for me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And for anybody, whether you're an amateur or you're a pro, this happens. And so what happens is that once we're activated, unless we're unable to get ourselves back down into the parasympathetic, that rest and digest, it can potentially ruin your entire game, your match, your set, your day. I mean, your whole attitude towards golf. It happens to me in tennis. If we have a bad game, the day is gone. But... So yes, absolutely. Our emotions impact the way we play our game on both a physical and emotional level. That uh, reminds me of a a family guy clip when uh, Lois and Peter are playing golf and she hits in the water and he says, you're not supposed to. And she goes, well, you did. And then he just loses it and throws his clubs in the water. Yep. That actually happened at the live golf tournament down there in Tucson a couple weeks ago. A certain player live player who will remain absolutely nameless uh decided to have a fit and threw his clubs all over the fairway which is a perfect example (laughs) of what we're discussing right now i must have missed that one so i need to know how can a golfer manage the highs and the lows and stay in the moment during a round well in terms of staying in the moment what i try to get across to people is the sense that one bad shot does not mean a lost game. It doesn't mean a lost round. We call that all or nothing thinking. And so what we do is we try to utilize what we call redirection techniques and remember, okay, I had a bad shot. We're going to breathe it off. Let's take some deep breaths, maybe take a walk if we can, take some water, and we're going to decide to move on to the next to the next shot or the next round, whatever whatever is happening. Because unless we can get our mindset out of that, as long as we're in that central nervous system activation, our logical thinking is actually turned off. So unless we're in rest and digest, we don't even have logical thought. So you're going to have a bad game. Hey, you got to attack this physically, emotionally, and mentally. It's all about the regimen, learning how to create good, healthy coping skills, whether you're on the course or you're at home. You know, the GOAT, Tiger Woods, once said that he gives himself 10 steps after a bad shot to process and be mad and then poof, it's gone. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great trick. I mean, giving it 10 steps, giving it five steps, however long, but yes, every shot is a new shot. So how can a golfer manage the highs and the lows? Oh, sorry. We just asked the, asked that one. That's my fault. As golfers, we practice our craft by spending time in the putting green, the chipping area, and the driving range. How can one practice the craft of mental toughness while away from the course? 
I would say just creating a daily regimen and it doesn't have to be perfect, just maintaining consistency where you are figuring out regular ways to decompress, regular ways to uh, get in touch with your emotions, get in touch with your thoughts, redirect what are my goals? What do I want to do today? And it's not just about on the course. It's about in life in general. I mean, learning how to wake up and doing things that are good for the body and the mind. And then at the end of the day, doing things that are good for the body and the mind and being able to utilize those on the course, lots of deep breathing, thought redirection, you know, just it's creating a daily regimen, not just, you know, getting on the course and, and figuring it out. So, so like, the uh, regulated breathing, would that be a uh, an exercise that you would highly recommend? Yes. It's called diaphragmatic breathing. Um, it's different than our normal thoracic breathing. It's much deeper. It takes longer. And it actually triggers the body to get out of activation and back down into the parasympathetic response. Are there any like videos or things that someone could look up to kind of have a guide on how to do this? Absolutely. There's a ton of instructional videos on YouTube. Um, you know, I would recommend doing diaphragmatic breathing. You could do body scans, yoga, meditation. Um, something else too is that a lot of the golfers of today, and they may or may not talk about it um, too openly, but several of the recent golfers who have been winning championships have talked about going and getting therapy and working through past traumas, past anxiety issues. And once they're able to do that, they're, they're shooting up to the top of, of, these, uh, of these matches. So it's not just about like breathing or you know believing that you can do it. You know what? If we have issues from the past, anxiety, trauma, all of that, it's, it's cool to go to therapy. Go get some help. We can work through these things and maybe it'll improve your golf game. It's amazing how uh, critical the mind is and how it affects everything else that we do. Absolutely. If your head isn't in the game, nothing's going to be in the game. And that's why creating that mind and body connection and really reinforcing that, practicing that at home is so critical. Um, again, the patients that I see, uh, most of the time, the golf game is kind of the last symptom um, that really shows them that, hey, I need to go and, and maybe get some help. A lot of times it's depression, anxiety, relationship issues that are then kind of manifesting physical results on the golf course. So I got one more question for you. It's one that uh, I'm really interested to know the uh, answer to. This weekend is the third major of the golf season. Ah, yes. It's the U.S. Open. It's going to be the L.A. Country Club. What is the household going to look like? And who are your three favorites to potentially walk away victorious on Sunday? Well, unfortunately, in my household, when golf is on, I don't have much choice of what happens in my house. <laughs> um, you know, usually there's some kind of uh, golf-related food and beverage uh, situation happening. Golf is obviously on every TV, um, so I will most likely be out playing tennis. Um, with that being said, the guys that I'm going to look for to win this weekend, Dustin Johnson, let's, I mean, he is amazing. We got Brooks coming up. Scotty's been amazing. John Rahm, you know, we got our big four. I would really, it would be kind of almost 
funny or ironic if Phil came in and won this thing. You know Um, how awesome that would be? It would be something to see him. But you know what? I'm always rooting for my guys, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa. I mean, we love them. They were great uh, here at the Waste Management. We love going to the Waste Management. So it's the guys that are really personable that you always kind of hope pulls through. But you know what? It's going to be tough to beat Scotty, John, Dustin, any of those guys. You can't count out Victor Hovland. My dad's a yes. big Victor Hovland fan. and Yes, you know, he, he just won. Yeah, so he might have the hot hand. He might. He might. Always love to see the personal guys. You know what? I'd love to see Shane come back. Where'd Shane go? <laughs> Where did Shane go? Yeah, he's always there. He's always personal. But yeah, maybe it's time, yep. for, maybe it's time for him to have a win. Hashtag find Shane. Well, I want to thank you for coming and joining us today, spending a little bit of time with us, and I really hope that you've enjoyed yourself and would be willing to come on in the future. I would love to. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Stay up. Stay up. Stay there. All right, guys. Y'all know what time it is? That's right. It's U.S. Open Week. We finally get the third major of the season. This is the first time that we will see the Live and PGA Tour golfers compete since the PGA Championship. And it's going to be the first time these guys have crossed paths since the merger announcement. What will this look like? Honestly, I have no idea. Most of these guys are pretty civil and they seem to get along outside of Roy McIlroy and Patrick Reed. We all know about their little altercation at the Dubai Desert Classic earlier this year. But who knows what kind of sound bites are going to be popping off this week. So grab your popcorn and be prepared to watch an amazing weekend of golf. From what I can see, the greens are fast, the fairways are treacherous, the rough is thick, and they're stretching par threes to close to 300 yards. It's going to be brutal and i'm going to enjoy every moment of it with that let's talk about who has a chance to be victorious on sunday i have three favorites they're all chalk it's scotty scheffler john rom and brooks kepka i don't think anyone can argue with those three names they just seem to be they just seem to be at the top of leaderboards every tournament, especially around the majors. But I do have three potential sleeper picks. Max Homa, Tony Finau, and Cam Smith. These guys are hungry, and I, they are sniffing for some wins. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, Homa and Finau already have a few wins underneath their belt, but I know they'd like a major, And Cam Smith would like to get another major under his belt as well. I do have a dark horse. Don't laugh, but it is Phil Mickelson. Phil just needs a U.S. Open to complete his career Grand Slam. We all know how he played at the Masters. Don't be surprised that this guy, you know, puts puts together a weekend that just leaves us, just leaves us, you know, in shock. So of course with Phil, it could also go both ways of that shock, but I'm hoping he has a great weekend. Let's not forget that the ladies will be in action this week as well at the, the me here 
the Mir LPGA Classic. I'm pretty sure I butchered that. It's M-E-I-J-E-R. Uh, but if I butchered it, I'm sorry. But that's going to be held at the Blythefield Country Club in Belmont, Michigan. This uh, event was won last year by uh, Miss Jennifer Cupcho. And this is the final tune-up before the second major of the LPGA season, which is the Women's PGA Championship. So that should be excited to watch as well. Again, I would like to thank Shelly Fassett for joining us today and look forward to more conversations with her about the mental side of the game and how we as players can strengthen that muscle. So that's it for us today. Don't forget to uh, follow us wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at from underscore the underscore fringe. Drop us a DM with any questions or comments. You can find us on Twitter at at F-R-M-T-H-E-F-R-I-N-G-E. From the fringe, I couldn't afford the O. Don't hold it against me, but that's how you get in touch with us on Twitter. Have a great week. Be safe and hit them straight. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Thank you.